And today I want us to look at the topic of worry. Uh, topic of worry. Victory over worry. Um, we've looked at a couple topics and they've kind of all, even with this one, kind of all fall into a similar category, right? Uh, and uh, to look through the idea of uh, stress uh, that we looked at is, uh, is, is worry and stress can be similar. Uh, we looked at anger, um, and one of the triggers to anger sometimes is, is worry uh, as well, or uncertainty, I guess, maybe even be a better word uh, for it. But uh, I want us to look at this idea of gaining victory over worry. And, and we look at worry, and some people worry more than others. I grew up listening to Pasta Pirate, and there was a great uh, character, a worry wart, or the song, a worry wart, uh, there and you had uh, the warthog uh, who worried and you have different things and and uh, and I've always heard so basically my entire life heard about this topic of worrying and been told throughout my life don't worry and uh, it's funny I I guess I I never thought worry was a was an issue for me uh, I never really thought of me being a worrier um, as a matter of fact some of our uh, arguments in, in our household were over the fact that I, that I didn't worry. Um, and I was a little bit, uh, it probably looked like I was care, carefree or careless in some, some ways over certain major issues. And I was kind of like, ah, don't worry about it. Um, which, uh, which some people need a little bit more than don't worry about it. Um, right? Maybe you're, maybe you're that kind of person where when someone says, don't worry about it, you go, okay, that doesn't help. Um, so this morning I'm not going to preach, just don't worry about it. All right. I'm going to give you some, hopefully some biblical help here this morning that will encourage us, um, to, to have a stronger faith. And, And I don't mean to say this. I think worry ultimately is a lack of faith in, in God. Um, but at the same time, there are there are things that, that come into life that, that are not as certain. And, and so I don't, I don't want to make you feel like if you've ever worried about something that you just have zero faith in God and, 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 and how horrible of a person you are and things like that. I don't, I, don't want to, I don't mean that in any way, and I don't want it to come across that way also. Um, but again, I do think ultimately worry is, is a lack in faith in, in God, uh, in the sense that we're, in that moment we're not as confident in God as we should be, uh, or as we could be. Um, and I think we have to look at the value. How, what, what is our value in life? What is our value to God? And according to God, our value is high, and that's what we're going to look at in this passage. Uh, but according to God, our value is high, and God values us more than any creation that he created. He, he values us. And that's important. And that's what Matthew 6 is going to tell us here in just a moment. And so when I look at worry and I look at the idea of worry being a lack of faith in the God that values you, that's how I want you to, to see it. I, again, I'm not trying to berate you. Um, and, and listen, I, I have worried about things. And sometimes I didn't realize I was worrying about it. Um, I think anxiety is a, is a result of worry. And, and I've struggled with anxiety. And, uh, and so, so as much as I would like to look back in my life and say, oh, I don't worry about anything, and, and I, I handle a lot of things kind of that way, 
but I think inside I allow it to build up sometimes. And, and so, so when I look at this idea of worry and, okay, where's my faith in God? And, and, and even more specifically, faith in the God that values me. Do I lack in that faith or, or do I have that faith? And so I want us to see some things that can help us with worry. But Matthew chapter 6, verse number 25. The Bible says, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? (laughs) And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? We're going to look at worry today. And in order for us to have victory over worry, we have to know how God values us. That's going to be the key today. Not how you value yourself, but how God values you. And if we understand how God values us, then we can easily gain victory over the worry in our lives. So let's pray and ask for the Lord's help, and then we'll dive in to this topic of victory over worry. Lord, thank you uh, for your word, and thank you for what it teaches us, and how it reminds us how you love us so much, and how you care for us. And how you, you are concerned about us. And then, Lord, how you provide for us and take care of us. So, Lord, I pray that today as we look at this topic of worry, I pray that we would understand how you value us. And, Lord, may that relieve that worry. And, Lord, may you help us to cast it to you, uh, how we would take any worry that we have and hand it over to you. And, Lord, that you can turn our worry into answered prayer. And, Lord, our answered prayer into encouragement. So, Lord, we pray for your help today. I pray that as I present these thoughts, that I would do it clearly. Uh, Lord, that I would do it correctly. Uh, Lord, I pray that none of my words um, would be presented in a way that, that causes hurt. Uh, Lord, I just pray that you'd strengthen us today through your word. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. What is worry? The word worry means to strangle or to choke. Uh, how about that? Strangle or to choke. Uh, worry can strangle us, can choke us out of joy, um, can choke the joy right out of our life. Uh, worry oftentimes is seeing the future in a pessimistic way. Uh, I don't know if you're a, well, I do, uh, I know you now well enough, but uh, I don't know if you're a pessimist or an optimist uh, this morning, but uh, to see the future in a pessimistic way oftentimes is a lead to worry. Seeing the worst possible outcome. Uh, is is a uh, a side effect of worry, uh, or a sometimes a cause of worry, to to look at everything and go well, <laughs> there goes the neighborhood, well the world's coming to an end. It's the old the the sky is falling routine. Uh, that the worst possible outcome. It's like uh, and we saw this a lot in two thousand and 
2020 and 2021, but someone goes, you have COVID. You're going to die. You, you need a respirator. Uh, you need a, a tube down your throat. You need something. Just someone sniffled, sneezed, or whatever. You know, uh, we, we experienced a lot of that. A lot of worry and concern. And again, that's because there was a lot of unknown and there was uh, all these different things. Uh, but it's it's immediately jumping to the worst possible outcome. Worry oftentimes is thinking about what if. Uh, I like to fly because flying gets me there faster. So if I have to travel, I prefer plane. Uh, I try not to think about what if the plane doesn't fly. <laughs> what happens if the the wrong air current or the whatever happens, I don't know. I don't think too much about that. But I do not have any interest in going on a boat. Uh, and by boat, I mean like a cruise ship. I don't mind going out on a lake or a pond, but like in the ocean. Uh, because what if? <laughs> what if a iceberg pops up in the middle of the Caribbean? Uh, what, <laughs> what if something crazy happens? There are sharks in the ocean. I, I don't want anything to do with it. Uh, so when it comes to the ocean, I worry. When it comes to the sky, for whatever reason, I, I really don't. Now, granted, I've been in a plane where I got a little worried before. Uh, I think I've told the story before, a small plane, they're flying from Cleveland to Pittsburgh, and uh, worst turbulence I've ever been a part of, and uh, the lady comes over the little microphone, and she was trying to be encouraging, but she, she's like, she said, don't worry, God's in control, um, and I thought, man, I wish that was encouraging, but that's terrifying. Uh, when, the, when the flight attendant says that, you're thinking, oh my goodness, but... Um, Nonetheless, uh, typically in the air, I'm not too worried about the ocean I am. So there's certain things in life, right, that cause us to worry. And sometimes it's things different than what other people worry about. Oftentimes, everybody has different things uh, that they worry about. And, uh, but it's, it's the idea of being choked out of joy, being choked out of blessing, being choked out of uh, what life is intended to be. Uh, Luke 8, 8 is a parable of the seed and the sower. And we often look at this in regards to the uh, idea of the gospel, and I believe that's a fair and, and right presumption. But Luke eight fourteen says this, uh, talking about the seed that's being thrown and sowed. Uh, and that which fell among the thorns are they which, when they have heard, heard the gospel, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. I was reading that and I thought, well, that's interesting because I've always, you know, you hear about the thorns and you hear about the different things and you hear about the choking of it. And I've always looked at this in the view of the gospel, and I think, again, that's right. Um, but the seed, the, the word of God that falls among certain people, uh, that's compared to falling among the thorns and it gets choked out, can't grow. Uh, but it says here that they, it's those people who are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life. You know, oftentimes we get choked, worried over the things that are in this life that are supposed to be blessings. But we get so caught up in the worry and the concern about how do I get them over thanking the Lord for what he's given. 
And so worry is something that chokes out the joy. Uh, it, it takes, it takes uh, away any kind of pleasure that we can have, and, and, and it causes more problems. 15% of people are chronic worriers, meaning they worry eight-plus hours a day. 15% of people. 30% of people are non-worriers, and then there's the rest of us, <laughs> right? Which is probably where most of us fall into. Um, hopefully, uh, maybe you're in that 15%, eight plus hours a day that you, you're worried about something. And maybe you're in that 30% that's really not worried about anything. Uh, but most of us would fall in that middle, middle area. So what do we need to know about worry, uh, that can help us gain victory over it? Uh, we need to understand that worry takes your energy and thought off of God. So when I say that worry is ultimately a lack of faith in the God who values you, we have to understand that worry takes away from our thoughts on God. It actually decreases our faith. So, so you can argue, I think, you can argue that, that worry is a lack of faith. I think you can also uh, and look at it in a different light and say worry takes away from our faith. It's what causes our faith to lack. Uh, versus it being uh, because we lack faith. It, 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 takes, it takes and takes and takes that, that faith from us. Job 3, verse 25 and 26 says, For what I fear comes upon me, and what I dread befalls me. I am not at ease, nor am I quiet, and I am not at rest, but turmoil comes. What an interesting verse, and I think relates to worry. Um, I, what I'm afraid of happens. Um, I've heard it said, and it's, it's, it, I don't know if it's true or not, uh, but I've heard it said, well, people worry about ha- ends up happening. And I think, okay, well, then I better not worry about it, <laughs> right? Um, I think about sicknesses. Oh, man, I'm scared to death. I'm worried that someday I'm going to get this sickness. And then I heard, well, whatever you worry about, Whatever you're thinking on all the time, it's going to end up happening. And so if you're thinking about getting sick, then you're going to end up getting sick. I thought, oh, my goodness. Well, now I'm worried about being worried about being sick. Uh, you know, and so I'm like, okay, well, I can't, can't worry about that. So, so anytime I worried about it, it was, oh, no, 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 I'm not worried about it. I promise I'm not worried about it. Uh, you know, that kind of mentality. But what it does is it, it takes all your peace, worry does, and, and throws it away. It takes your happiness, throws it away. Um, you have no rest, it's just constant turmoil, constant working in your mind. Uh, it limits positive outcomes because we're not focused at the task at hand. And this is according to a Christian psychologist. He says what happens is, is you're not focusing on what you're supposed to be doing because you're worrying about something, and therefore you're becoming less effective. There's less positive outcome because you're not focusing on what you're supposed to be doing. And so you end up worrying about things, and it ends up causing more problems. We lose sleep. We get high blood pressure. We have impaired judgment, which just leads to more problems. You know, rest is important. Um, you're supposed to rest. Uh, back when I was a kid, I think they said eight hours of sleep a day. And then I heard one time it went up to ten hours of sleep. And I thought, hey, I like the sound of that the older I get. And I've heard six hours. I've heard all kinds of different things. But at the end of the day, we know scientifically it's important that you get rest. 
If you're, you don't get a proper amount of sleep, it's going to cause you problems, physical problems, uh, emotional problems, problems probably with your job, and things like that as well. And remember, we looked at last week, Philippians 4, 8, whatsoever things are true, honest, uh, just, pure, uh, of good report, uh, think on these things. So if I'm worrying about something, I'm probably not thinking on the things that God encourages me to think about. It's going to cause problems because my mind isn't where it's supposed to be. Proverbs 13, uh, 15, excuse me, Proverbs 15, 15 says, All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he that is of a merry heart hath continual feast. Which one of those sounds like what you want? Evil or buffet? Right? <laughs> one of them sounds better than the other one. At, at least, unless you're greatly opposed to buffets, but um, the idea of a, 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 a positive word, a, a, a merry heart, a, uh, all these different things the Bible talks about, uh, producing positive uh, emotions, and I, I know we're not supposed to be emotional, but it, it, it produces a positive outcome. And so if I'm worried, afflicted, evil meaning not, not sinful, wicked, but evil meaning bad, it's a bad result. For me, it's a bad result. But uh, if I have a merry heart, then I have a continual feast. Um, now, listen, there are people who you've met and I've met who have a merry heart, and you just think to yourself, there's no way that's real. <laughs> right? Every time you see them, they're cheery, they're chippy, they're happy. Uh, all these kinds of things, and you're just thinking to yourself, there's no possible way on the earth that anybody can be that happy all the time. Uh, at least that's the way I think. Maybe you don't think that way. Um, and the reality is, is not everything in their life is perfect, and I'm sure there's moments where there are sad moments and down moments and whatever like that. But those people, at least the ones that I've met, have been Christians, and those people are trying to do what God encourages them to do. Have a merry heart. Do you like being around people who are happy or people who are sad? Now, some people like being around misery. They may not admit it, but it's, their life says they like being around misery. Um, I, I grew up uh, on certain programs, and uh, maybe you've heard of Winnie the Pooh. On uh, Winnie the Pooh, there is a character uh, named Eeyore. Eeyore is a donkey, and uh, he loses his tail a lot, and uh, Eeyore kind of feels like no one truly loves him. Nobody loves me. I'm all alone. Eeyore. As a kid, I look at Eeyore, and I go, it's kind of funny. Funny donkey. Oh, he lost his tail again. Ha ha. You know, that kind of thing. The older I get, I realize, poor Eeyore. Man, this, this guy, he's, <laughs> he feels alone. I've been there before. He feels like nobody loves him. Thankfully, I've not been there before. But you look at him, and the, more, the older you get, you look at Eeyore and goes, man, that's just a sad character. Poor Eeyore. And then you've got another character. Uh, his name is Tigger. And Tigger is the annoying one. Everybody's kind of like, Tigger, calm down. Right? He's bouncing around everywhere, he's breaking things, he's causing problems. But generally speaking, Tigger is always uh, happy. 
And then you've got everybody else that's more normal. <laughs> they have highs and lows, the emotional positives and emotional negatives. And, and we would consider them to be a, probably more relatable to us than Eeyore or Tigger. Now, is there a happy medium? I think there is. Um, but the Bible tells us that a merry heart produces a continual feast. Having the mindset of being thankful, having the mindset of thinking on the things of God, things that are true, honest, just, pure, and of good report, lovely, those things produce positive outcomes versus the Eeyore mentality of nobody loves me. I'm all alone. The reality is I've met Christians on both, both sides of that. I've met the Tiggers, and I've met the Eeyores. This is deeply biblical, isn't it? Um, I, I've met both. And I've met people who I've gotten to know very well who I would put in the Eeyore category that the more you get to know them, the more you realize their life really isn't that bad. But the way they view everything is so negative. And it brings back to Scripture where you go, my goodness, they're just, they're just not thinking on the right things. They are just uh, have chosen to be afflicted. It's a, the victim mentality. Everybody's against me. Well, the Bible says if God be for me, who can be against me? That brings us right back to how does God value you? You see, we worry about things because sometimes we worry because we feel like we're alone. We feel like no one truly cares about us. We feel like uh, no one really cares how I feel. And we allow ourselves to become a victim, but it's not really the victim of anybody else. It's a victim to ourselves. And we begin to worry over things and be concerned over things, and, and we never have the opportunity. Uh, we have the opportunity. We never take the opportunity to think on the things of God. And we allow worry to choke the joy right out of our lives. Well, I don't know how I'm going to pay for this. Well, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Well, I don't know how I'm going to handle this. Well, I don't know. And we should begin to worry. Worst case scenarios. <laughs> Marriage is fun, and uh, throughout marriage, we've been married 17 years now. We celebrated yesterday, 17 years. And so, so throughout marriage, I don't know if you've ever had one of these conversations, but where it's never a real conversation, but it's one of these conversations where you go, um, all right, this bill is due, and then we've got this cost that just came in, and we've got this thing that we need to get taken care of you know what, let's just sell the house. Let's just give up. Let's just move to some woods somewhere and live this life of nothingness. Have you ever had one of those conversations? Uh, where it's just like, you know what, I got all these things I got to do. You know what, I give up. I just, let's just, let's just send the kids to grandma and grandpa's house, buy a van and just live in it, you know. Um <laughs> let's just eat all the chickens and, uh, you know, uh, you've had this conversation before. Um, you know, we all fall into those moments where things start to pile up and we just go, 
I just, I can't think about this right now. I've been, that's me. That's the kind of person I am. I'm like, just give me five minutes. I don't want to think about this. Like, just give me an hour. Give me a day. Whatever. I just, I can't think about this right now. But, you know, we got to think about this. No, I just, I just, I need to go do something fun. <laughs> or something that doesn't cause any, any thinking. Um, you know, those kinds of things. And so, uh, so worry is a, it's a decision, honestly. It's a choice that we make of how we're going to handle things. And, and we look at Scripture, and Scripture says you need to choose a merry heart. And we've talked about this in other, in other sermons and things like that. I know, I know that's not always easy. There are things that happen in life and situations and circumstances that, man, it's, just, it's not easy to choose happiness, to choose joy, to choose thankfulness, to choose praise. I understand that. You understand that. But God says, listen, that's where we're supposed to be. We're supposed to have a merry heart. And as much as it is also the responsibility of the Christian brothers and sisters around you to encourage and edify you, you're still responsible for yourself. And this is an area in my life where I look at, as I grew up in church and I grew up in ministry, I grew up around Christians all the time. And, and it's easy for us, sometimes we do this in marriage sometimes too, it's easy for us to go, well, their role is this. They're supposed to do this, and they're not doing it. I've been there as a pastor before. Their job is this, and they're not doing it, so I'm not going to do my job. I'm not going to fulfill my role because they're not fulfilling their role. And what it puts us into is a situation then where we're no longer looking at how God values us. but We're looking at how other people value us. We're looking at how we value ourselves. And ultimately what it's going to lead to is worry and concern and stress and anger and the other things we looked at too. But worry is one of these things where it it comes in because we have all these outside things that are uh, overloading us, that that are weighing us down. But again, I go back to the fact that it's, where's our view? Our eyes on God. Are we looking at what he is capable of? Do we see how he values us? In Matthew, it tells us there. Actually, I'm going to come, I'll come back to that in just a moment. Um, but uh, we see the importance of what God does for it. Now, let's look at it again. In Matthew here, it says, it says uh, all right, the fowls of the air, verse 26. The fowls of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap. They're not planting. They're not farmers. All right? They also don't gather into barns. They don't have a stockpile of food. And he says, yet, not their heavenly Father, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. And then it asks a question, I've got it underlined in my Bible, are ye not much better than they? And the answer is yes. I'm all for people who love animals and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But a human is a thousand percent higher in God's eyes than any animal on this world. God values you. And he says here in the Bible, he says the birds, they don't sow seed, they don't reap a harvest, they don't stockpile in barns, Yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Why wouldn't he feed you? 
It says the same thing about the flowers. They're beautiful. They're, 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 they're clothed uh, in, in, in beautiful uh, outfits. And he says, they're grass. They're weeds. They're going to be mowed over. They're going to be tossed in the oven. They're going to be all these sorts of things. And he says, yet, how much more? Shall he not much more, verse 30, shall he not much more clothe you? If he clothes the weeds, why wouldn't he clothe you? He's your heavenly father. If he feeds the birds, why wouldn't he feed you? He's your heavenly father. And we look at the things that we worry about in life and we go, okay, I'm worried about, I'm worried about bills, I'm worried about health, I'm worried about friends, I'm worried about family, I'm worried about job situations, I'm worried about relationships, I'm worried about all these things. And God says, listen, I'm going to take care of you. Place your faith in me. And it always brings me back to this simple thought that, that is so simple, yet for whatever reason we, we avoid it, if, if I have enough faith to trust God to save me from eternity in hell, why do I not trust them to take care of my daily needs? If I can trust them with eternity, why can't I trust them with today? And then when I get worried, that's the thought that brings me back to, yeah, Vince. <laughs> He loved you enough to come to earth and to die for you. He was powerful enough to raise from the dead. He is great enough to save your soul from hell. I think he can take care of your little issue or big issue. God can take care of it. So how do we have victory? Right, That's the ultimate question every single week. How do we have victory? Well, we need to have biblical habits. When it comes to worry, we need to have biblical habits. New stresses come every day. New crises come every day. New situations arise every day. We have to have good biblical habits. What are those habits we've got to have? We've got to pray. The Bible says pray without ceasing. The Bible says ask and it shall be given. The Bible says uh, come to your father and seek your daily needs. We've got to pray. And that needs to be a biblical habit. That needs to be something we're doing on a regular basis. It shouldn't just be your mealtime prayer. It shouldn't just be your bedtime prayer. You should be praying on a regular basis. You need a biblical habit of prayer. You need to have a biblical habit of reading. And by reading, I mean God's word. Can you find helpful books? Sure you can. But you need to faithfully, habitually read God's Word. God has the answer for every issue in your life. And not only does He have the answer, He's given the answer for every issue of your life in His Word. And you say, now, come on. That was written many, many moons ago. Surely he did not address the issue that I'm having on social media. Yes, he did. Not by name, but in principle. God has answered all of your questions. He, is, he has given you a solution to all of your problems. And he's given it to you in written form in God's word. Marital advice, uh, 
husbands and wives don't like to hear this, but I always talk to them, and, and the, one of the first things I say when we're talking, when people are struggling in their marriage, is the Bible lays out how to have a perfect marriage. A no argument, full of happiness, full of love. It's all, it's all in the scriptures. And it's actually given to us in a, a few simple verses in Ephesians. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And he gave himself for it. Pretty simple. That's all you got to do. Love your wife like God loves you. (laughs) And the husband typically goes, well, I do love my wife. Yeah, but not like God loves you. Sacrificially, selflessly. And the wife is to submit to the husband. Well, yeah, but you know my husband. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I do. It's not me saying it. It's God saying it. You want a perfect marriage? You just do what the Bible says. Easier said than done. I understand that. Because even though me and my wife have an almost perfect marriage, uh, there are days where I don't love her like Christ loved the church. Where I don't fulfill my role. And there are days where she does not fulfill her role, and me more times than her, meaning she's better at it than I am. But if you're having marital conflict, it's because you're not doing what God says to do. At least one of you, if not both of you. And in my experience, it's usually both. Maybe one's doing better than the other, but in my experience, it's, it's, it's both. <laughs> so I need to have a habit of reading God's words so I have the answers to the things that are concerning me, to the things that I'm worried about. And I told you before, my dad uh, has said, you know, I, man, I read this this morning, and now I'm scared to death of what's going to happen because I know I'm going to need this at some point today, and I don't know why I'm going to need it, but I, I just one of those things like, oh, no, why did I have to read about patience? Um, you know, <laughs> why did I have to read about that? Oh, no, I'm going to need this today. God gives you everything that you need in his word. You need to have a biblical habit of prayer, a biblical habit of reading, and you need to have a biblical habit of fellowship and accountability. I put them together. Fellowship and accountability. You need that fellowship with like-minded biblical Christians. You need to have fellowship with people who love the Lord. And you need to have someone who will keep you accountable to God's word. I think in a marriage, a lot of times it's, it, it can work with a spouse being that person. Sometimes a man needs a, a, another man to fellowship with. Not sometimes, he needs another man to fellowship with. He needs someone he can count on to keep him accountable to God's word. A, a lady needs another lady she can fellowship with and, and, and be accountable to God's word. You need to have the habit of biblical fellowship. You need to be around Christians. You need to to be around someone who can encourage you in God's word. And when they see you worrying, they can give you encouragement. They can give you help. You need to have that person in your life who's allowed to tell you, hey, (laughs) you're being a problem. No one likes to hear that, but we all got to have someone who can tell us that without us saying, I'm never talking to you again. And what I've seen, at least within the Christian, the Christian spectrum, is Christians who refuse to let anyone hold them accountable. 
And the time that anybody comes to them with anything that's not just, you're great. Then it's, well, I'm never going to talk to you again. How dare you judge me? We need to be able to be held accountable. And you need to be in the habit of having someone in your life that you can fellowship with, and hopefully more than one person. People that you can fellowship with and that can hold you accountable to God's word. So that when you're stressing out over something and your spouse is saying, hey, you need to stop stressing about this. And you're like, well, you know, whatever. You know, you know all their weaknesses too, right? You need someone else to come alongside and say, hey, what are we worried about? All right, well, let's pray about it. What does the Bible say about it? Peace that passes all understanding. It's going to guard your heart and your mind. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, uh, just, pure, lovely, of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Worry needs peace. And that happens when you give it to God. And God can provide a peace that no one can understand. you got to give it to God. you got to think on the things that God desires for you to think on. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will uphold thee, yea, uh, excuse me, with the right hand of my righteousness. We sing that one. John sang that one for us, and we've seen that one before. And actually, as I was typing it out in my notes, I was singing it as I was typing it. Um, but uh, it's a wonderful verse, and to have the idea uh, that God is with us, and he's not going to leave us, he's not going to forsake us, he's going to take care of our every need, and he's going to be there right there with us through it all as well. Isaiah 43, 2, the Bible says, When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. God's saying, I'm, I'm here with you through everything. As he says in, in Isaiah 41, Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. Just like we looked at in Matthew, your heavenly Father. When you go through the waters... I'm with you. The rivers are not going to overflow thee. When you walk in the fire, it won't be burned. God gave us a physical illustration of this with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were told, you bow down to the statue like everybody else is doing. And they said, we're not going to do it. They said, well, if you don't do it, you're going to be thrown in this furnace. And they said, so be it. 
We worship the true God. So they threw them in the furnace. They had nothing on their body or their clothing singed, burned, smoked, nothing. As a matter of fact, when they went to check, they saw not just the three Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walking around in the furnace. There was a fourth person. It looked like he was the Son of God. <laughs> when you go through the waters, I'll be with thee. When you walk through the fire, I shall not be burned neither shall the flame kittle upon thee. When they came out of that furnace, the Bible says they didn't even smell like fire. My goodness, you can't light a match without smelling like fire. And they walked around in burning flames so hot that it killed men who were getting close to it. And these three walked safely in it because God was with them. Now I'm telling you, What are you worried about that God can't handle? The Bible says in Proverbs, Trust the Lord with all thine heart. What are you worried about that God cannot handle? Don't look at how you can fix it. Look at how God will fix it. Worry is something that chokes the joy chokes the blessings right out of your life. We can't afford to have worry in our life. And the moment, and, and the moment concern slash care slash worry comes into your heart, would you go to God? And listen, you need to be in this habit, not just at times of worry, all the time. You go to God Say, God, I'm concerned about this. That's what we're supposed to do. Casting all your cares upon him. <laughs> we got to go to God. We got to read his word and understand. When we read God's word, we'll come across these verses. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy. When you walk through the waters, I'm with thee. We're going to read these verses if we're habitually reading God's word. And we're going to be grown by these things. Our faith is going to grow in these things. We're going to see what God says. We're going to see what he teaches. We're going to see what he wants me to think on, the things that he wants me to do, the things he wants me to avoid. And in doing that, it's going to lead me in a way that does not lead me to worry. It leads me to victory. And so when that worry and concern comes into your life, you go to God and you pray and say, God, here is my concern. Lord, take it. Lord, help me. Lord, provide for me. Lord, in this situation, give me what I need. Read his word. See what it has to say about your situation. Go to someone who you can fellowship with in a godly way. Say, man, I'm concerned about this. Will you pray with me? Put all your trust in God and let him take care of it. He feeds the birds and he clothes the flowers. How much more will he do for you? Lord, 
pray for your help this morning. We all experience things in our lives that cause us concern. And Lord, I just pray that we would be faithful to come to you with those concerns, that we would not allow it to build up. Lord, that we would not allow it to take our faith, steal from our faith, choke our faith. But Lord, that our faith would be strengthened as a result of us handling the situation in a biblical way. Lord, I pray that we would truly comprehend that you're with us through thick and thin, through the mountains and the valleys. Lord, I pray that you would help us to truly comprehend how great you are and how much you love us and how much you value us. That, God, we would take your word and understand that the birds, they don't do anything and yet you feed them. And the flowers, they're, they're going to die off soon yet you clothe them. How much more you value us, how much more you love us, how much more you care for us. Lord, I just pray, I pray that you'd help us. May today we cast our worry to you and allow you to provide for us in a way that just grows our uh, love for you. And I pray it in Jesus' name.